The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Well, this just feels right, doesn't it? Thursday night, watching some football. Yes, it's college football, but that's okay. Thursday nights are made for football, so it is a wonderful time of year. It's August 31st, but for most of you as you're listening, it's September 1st or September something, and it's a big draft weekend coming up. And my gosh, is Cooper Cup out of the first round now? I just did Fantasy Football football Today in 5 with Chris Towers, and he has him 25th overall, so we'll find out where... Jamie and Heath have Cooper Cup as he had a setback with his hamstring injury. And I think Sean McVay flipped the meaning of the word day and week when he described the injury. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, we welcome you to this edition here. We have your we have an email about J.K. Dobbins. Jamie, I hope you're ready to, to answer that one. We sure. got your exes coming on the show today. And by that, I mean tweets. And uh, let's get to it. Cooper Cup. Day-to-day after a setback with his hamstring injury, and I was making a joke that it's probably more like week-to-week, but who knows. Um, All right, is he a first-round pick? Is he a second-round pick? Heath, what do you think about uh, Cooper Cup and this setback? It's definitely a second-round pick in half PPR. Full PPR, I'm still kind of right on the fence. I mean, it's tough because it's Thursday night. I know people have to make decisions on Thursday night. Hopefully, we'll get a little more information in the next 24 hours before the biggest draft weekend of the year happens. But um, listen, I'd already downgraded him a little bit. I think it's important to acknowledge that when fully healthy, he projects for more fantasy points than any other wide receiver. What he's done the last year and a half when he's been healthy has been like 10 to 15% better than any other wide receiver. So I was already downgraded him for risk a little bit. But one, two turn is where I'm at right now. Is that behind Stefan Diggs? Like who? Which receivers? Yeah. And play? okay, Diggs. D- I already had him behind Tyreek. Diggs right. is the only other receiver that I moved him behind. Okay, uh, Barkley. Oh, you had probably had him behind Barkley. Bijan. Uh, who? Any other running backs? Pollard. Behind Barkley. Behind Bijan. And behind Kelsey. Okay. All right, Jamie. How about you? The two-three turn. Like I'm, 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 I'm concerned. I mean, you know, it's not just that this is the the second recurrence of this injury. This is a 30 year old receiver. This is a quarterback with, you know, some health issues and soft tissue injuries can be a problem all year long. So 
you might be in a great situation if you draft Justin Jefferson and there's Cooper Cup sitting there when you come back. Uh, I, I, I think that's worth the gamble, but I, I can't take him in the first round by any stretch. And for me, it's going to be like, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about Devontae Adams. It's the same thing, you know, aging receiver that, you know, now has a, a, an issue. And so he's going to be behind for me, um, behind Adams, behind Jalen Waddle, and in the same range as like Devontae Smith and, Chris Olave, like that's where he is. Yeah, that's what Chris said. Chris said he had him behind Smith, Olave, and Higgins. I probably will keep him ahead of Higgins, but behind Smith and Olave, yeah. That's what I said. I said Higgins, you know, the last two years, if you look at Higgins when he's been on the field with Jamar Chase, uh, 2021 Higgins was something right around 15 fantasy points per game, or maybe it was right around wide receiver 15. And then last year in the games he played with a healthy Chase and his healthy games, uh, Higgins healthy games. He actually averaged about the same exact amount of fantasy points. So it does feel like as much as we like Higgins to me, it feels like he's got a little bit of a ceiling there. Um, cup ceiling is most valuable player in fantasy. Obviously. I actually have Higgins behind, uh, behind Ridley at this point. You do now. Yeah. Heath, how about you give Hidley, uh, Hidley or Riggins? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm still above Ridley. And that's, it's because of what you just said. Like his ceiling is still the most valuable player in fantasy. No, no, I meant Higgins or Ridley. Higgins or Ridley? Yeah. I've got Higgins ahead of Ridley. Okay. Okay, so look, it's... Heath and Jamie told you what they think. I told you what Chris thinks. I wish we had more information. It's Where are you drafting? Well, I, I mean, I he said, said we're going to get more information tomorrow. I don't think we're getting more information tomorrow. You know, Sean McVay basically laid it out for you, you know. And Sean McVay, didn't he say something like, we don't want him to just come back. We want him to come back and be healthy. Be yeah. effective. Be effective. Where am I Which is what you want I... to hear. You would rather him miss two games. If he misses two games and then he's Cooper Cup from the last two years for 15 weeks, he was worth a first-round pick. I, I, if, he, I 100 if, if he's there week one and then he gets dinged and then he misses partial time and then he's never Cooper Cup, that's not what you want. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's about, over the last two years, the games he's played with Matthew Stafford, he's over 25 fantasy points per game or right around there. And that's... What did Jefferson last year? I think was about twenty-two to twenty-three. And he's just so much better. Uh, what I said, I had him middle of round two is my gut reaction. Uh, after Garrett Wilson, at, like like basically the same as Waddle. Uh, so in between the two of you, <laughs> it's just it like it's just entirely. Right. It's not a math equation. It's not a, a value equation. It's just a it's a risk reward equation because nobody's going to make the argument that Gary Garrett Wilson. Gary Wilson or CD lamb or Devonte Adams or AJ Brown. Like those guys don't have Cooper cup ceiling and nobody would make the argument. They do. Right. They're just all a lot safer and you have to decide, are you drafting based on the upside or based on the floor? All right. There you go. Different opinions, uh, but not all that different on Cooper no. cup. Yeah. Uh, let's see. How about, how about the Rams by the way, without cup? Okay. So Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, Puka Nakua. Jamie, are you feeling anyone now? Any boosts here? No, just because we don't know how long Cup is going to be out. You know, so I don't want to overreact to like Van Jefferson's like my 61st wide receiver. Um, Puka is like 65, 70, you know, not far behind him. It's like, this is this is bad. <laughs> They're just, this, this was a, for the most part, a one-man show. You know, and and there, there's there's going to be opportunities. Clearly, you know, Van Jefferson had some good moments in 2021 when Matthew Stafford was healthy. You've heard nothing but positive things about Puka this this training camp this offseason. You know, since they drafted him, 
Higby obviously is going to get targets, and you, you know you still put him in the borderline top twelve tight end range. But I mean, this is this is just bad. Like it, it, it makes me want to stay further away from Cam Akers because they're not going to score very much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, hopefully, like he said, it's it's two weeks. You know, he heals up and and he's back to being Cooper Cup. But if yeah. this lingers and you know he comes back, plays a couple of games, not right, you know, shuts it down for a few weeks, soft tissue injuries linger, man. It's 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 tough. It's we had that um, Matthew Stafford having a tough time connecting with his teammates story that came out. Yeah. Like I will say, the one guy he's not having a hard time connecting with is Tyler Higby. Those guys are on the same page, and so I do think if Cup is out for Week One, this strengthens the idea of Tyler Higby as a guy you draft to start Week One with one of those rookie tight ends. And then if one of the rookie tight ends is actually as involved as all the training camp reports say, then maybe you can start them over Higby in Week Two. But uh, I, I'd feel okay about starting Higby week one mm-hmm. if there's no cup. So earlier this evening, I asked Jamie if we were still good for an 8.30 start time, and he said yes, and Heath, requ- Heath replied with this gif here of Mr. Mackey going, okay, as, as Jamie was sitting there saying, this is bad, this is bad. I was just thinking, <laughs> Rams are bad, <laughs> okay. I just keep going back to, we, we did a super flex draft this afternoon, and at the end of it, Joel Cox is one of our um, executives at CVS. He types in the chat room, just stay healthy, Matthew Stafford. Just stay healthy, Matthew Stafford. <laughs> just stay healthy, Matthew Stafford. And I feel like, uh, poor guy. Yeah. Well, well I, th- thanks for jinxing everybody with the Baked Burger Dynasty League. You got Cop, you got Taylor on there. That, that's what I was going to say. Like, I should probably go ahead and read the rest of the Baked Burger Dynasty League <laughs> roster that I drafted so everybody knows who's going to get hurt from this yeah. point forward. Because that was my second and my third round pick. Um, is that you, Kelsey? Think, what's that? Kelsey? Kel- Kelsey in round four, hey. Fields in round one. I've got Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Jahan Dotson, Damian Pierce. Like, trade those guys. No, but <laughs> in, in, all, in all honesty, like, just put Cup on Pup for a, a month anyways. I can win without those two for now. Cup on Pup. I think that was in Fox and Sox. If I recall. Oh, no, Hop, I was and, at Hop and he on can't Pop. go on Pup now anyway. <laughs> right, it's too late. IR. Um, oh, he's got to go on IR. All right, so uh, Jeff Wilson is on IR, as we talked about at the very end <sighs> of our Thursday morning show. But it seems like it could be a long absence here. Injuries to his midsection and his fingers. And whenever your coach is saying, and Mike McDaniel saying, we're optimistic about him coming back this season. It obviously tells you it's not looking like a four-week injury here. I mean, I think anyway. his agent, though, came out tonight and said something different. Said Uh-oh. that they were hoping that he would be back after the minimum stay. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's good. Um, I just, you know, just today we had our Superflex draft, and I took Raheem Mostert ahead of A.J. Dillon. So did I reach Heath? Did I go-go gadget arms reach for Raheem Mostert? Mm-hmm. Well, was Jalen Warren off the board already? I think so. I think so. <laughs> I mean, I think that's really oh, no. like once once he's gone, then you can start looking for the other deep sleepers. Um, <laughs> I would say that that is round nine, ten range is a good place for Raheem Mostert. I hope. Uh, I, I love know. it. I'm not the only one. Um, uh, no, I don't think you reached. I think that's the right spot for him. A.J. Dillon really fell. So it was Raheem Mostert, A.J. Dillon, and then Chris took Devon A-Chain in that same round. Uh, Rashawn Johnson was still on the board. Tank's, Tank Bigsby was still on the board. So, look, man, Mostert's a starter right now. He's got to be. Look, they could sign someone, but Mostert was really good 
Well, I shouldn't say that because sometimes some the fantasy points weren't that good, but he was really involved. What did I say? Uh, 16 or more touches, 15 or more touches in five straight games uh, before they acquired Jeff Wilson. And then I forgot about that Buffalo game late in the awful. year. He was great, right? Didn't he have a great game? Yeah. So it's appealing. All right. Any thoughts, Heath? You want to, we talked about it on the show earlier. You want to say your thoughts on Mostert? I think he's a he's a round nine, round ten pick. A good option if you've gone zero RB and you want to have a couple of guys you can start week one and then stack the the Zach Charbonnet, Jalen Warren, like those kind of guys that you can't start quite yet. He fits really well into that type of build. He's not someone that you should draft and think you're going to be able to start him for two or three months. It's probably not going to last that long. They got the Chargers in week one, and the Chargers are... Uh, they have been for two straight years now, I believe, just absolutely terrible against the run. Uh, there's gonna, they're gonna need to do a lot to improve there. So that could be a really good start of the week, Jamie. Um, doubt it, but he's he's <laughs> he's, he's he's gonna be in the in the the starting or sleeping section. <laughs> <laughs> All right, T.J. Hawkinson signed a four-year extension worth at least sixty-six million dollars with forty-two point five million guaranteed. Is he tight end four for anyone on this show? Is he for you? Tight end four? Yeah. Yes, Two. he's tight end four. Tight end three. Is he tight end three for anyone on this show? I think he's tight end three for me. Okay. I think he's tight end three for most people. Yeah. Right, but not for you, Jamie. And is he for Dave? I would think so. Dave and Heath both have Waller as bust, so I can't imagine anybody's higher than him. Okay. That's a stupid question then. There are no stupid questions, just stupid people, I've been told many times. Uh, Elijah Mitchell returned to practice after missing time with an adductor strain. Did you guys, was there a report or just a speculation today about Christian McCaffrey not having the same workload? I didn't see anything, so. I saw speculation. I did not see a report. I think it was an ESPN, uh, just like something that could happen, surprising thing that could happen on every team. I, I think what it was was that he would not have the same workload that he had in Carolina. And he did, I don't think he had that work at the end of last year, so that shouldn't be a surprise. Sure. Um, Cincinnati has a good plan in place to get Joe Burrow ready for week one, according to their offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. I moved him back up ahead of Herbert because he came back to practice. Okay. Saints running back Kendrick Miller has another injury. This one's a hamstring injury. Yeah. Off your sleepers? Our sleeper show yeah, is he off your sleepers list? Yeah, of course. Okay. Washington defensive end Chase Young is still out with a stinger. Uh, New England, by the way, I, I haven't really talked about DSTs, but if you are one that just streams DSTs, Washington does have Arizona in week one. I'm always looking for them. It seems like they've been taken uh, pretty early in recent week in recent drafts. Jacksonville also a good one. Yeah. They have the Houston Houston Texans, is it? Indy. Oh, they have Indy. That's right. Uh, New England wide receiver Tyquan Thornton is on IR. He'll miss at least four games. What are your thoughts on the Patriots wide receivers? We don't talk about them much. And that's kind of the topic of today's show is players we don't talk about much. There's a reason. <laughs> I don't mind Juju as a as a fourth receiver. You know, I, I think from from what everything I saw in the initial part of training camp, we didn't really see it in, in any preseason action, but that that's just the guy Mac Jones was looking for all the time. Seven on seven, 11 on 11, whatever they were doing in practice, joint practice sessions, he was looking for him. Um, and and I, I'll say this, the, the Bailey Zappi news makes me a little bit more encouraged about the Patriots passing game. Not that I think it's going to be spectacular, but that they're confident in Mac Jones because there was talk about maybe Bailey Zappi being a starter, you know, so that they feel comfortable enough with Mac Jones. 
Not that he's going to be a world beater by any stretch, but can he get the job done for the guys that matter? So Devontae Parker's free. You know, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if after week one, week two, he has a five for 70 type of game. Um, he had some good moments last year. He just bought us some injuries that were sitting here on a, on a Tuesday saying Devontae Parker with one of your last round waiver ads, um, especially if you're a Cooper Cup manager, place him on IR. But Juju is, is somebody that I've taken as a fourth receiver, and I'm not uh, – you know, I'm not worried about that. I, I do kind of wonder if one of, and they've both had so many injuries, like I don't know how many weeks not playing on the same team that Juju and Devontae Parker have both been 100% healthy. But I do wonder if those two cannibalize each other a little bit and one of them, if one of them goes down, then the other one actually becomes a reliable option. And we also saw the preseason Kendrick Bourne making a lot of plays for them. You know, Gusecki's been banged up. I think he said he was a little unsure about his week one status too. So they have a lot of interesting parts. There's nobody that I think you, you're saying, uh, really the only Patriot you should be saying I'm starting is Ramondre Stevenson. But, you know, outside of uh, at, at looking at the receiving core, there, there's going to be some guys I think that will be on and off a lot of fantasy rosters. You might even drop Juju at some point, but you could see some 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 strong games for him too. Tennessee wide receiver Kyle Phillips is on IR. Detroit edge rusher Julian Okwara is on IR. And Joe Montana said that Dan Marino is the best quarterback ever about that you know i had i was i was on a south florida podcast um this morning and uh jonathan zaslow uh you know i think you guys know him in some capacity I know, yeah. yep. so he was asking me about that and you know obviously i got a chance to watch marino my my uh most of my life and um and covered him uh the end of his career i, I covered him his last season when i was at my first job at the boca raton news um it, it's it's hard to argue that there's a lot of guys that have thrown the ball better than him um it's just unfortunate, you know, he never got the Super Bowl. And, and the thing I, I brought up was, you know, when he got to that 84 Super Bowl, I, I was I was too young to remember this, but most people thought, oh, he's going to 10. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was that season that he had, you know, 5,000 yards and, and uh, 40-some-odd touchdowns, whatever it was, um, was just ridiculous. And there's there's a Twitter handle. I think it's DolphinsTalk.com, if I'm not mistaken. They post uh, Dan's Daily Throw or something like that. It's just, it just you know, it gives Ooh, me goosebumps every time I see it. Um I want to see it's that really X cool. handle. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's interesting because like Montana and Marino were largely the same time and Montana won and Marino was better. Like there's a lot more highlights of Marino throws, rightly so than Montana. Um, but I, like, I don't know how you make the argument that Marino is the goat over Brady. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like the, the thing that I, I'll always say is he's he's never going to go down as the best because right. of the, of the super bowls and and obviously brady's just been ridiculous um but if you're just talking about players to play that position it's it's hard to argue there's a lot of people better than him you know and he it's it, it was it was it was a a joy to watch him play the game you know and like i wish i wish i was older to appreciate it you know cuz just being a kid you know you lived and died with it as at, at that age for me when i was still a fan um, but you know, he ran into a lot of great Buffalo teams, uh, at, at, at the prime of his career. And then he had the Achilles injury, but my gosh, uh, I could talk about him all day. Yeah. So can this Twitter account. My goodness. Uh, well, actually they get it right. Dolphins I don't know, but I am on dolphins talk.com's Twitter account and yeah. th- they post too much. I'm sorry. There's just way too much stuff here. I haven't seen one damn burrito thing. There's like damn burrito bobblehead or something like that. 
Um, all right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, let's see what we have for you. We have a lot of, a lot of stuff here. We have the email of the day, and we have uh, the offense-o-meter and players we don't talk about a lot, and then your tweets, your exes, right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Time for the email of the day. Our email address is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. And if you want more emails, wait for our mailbag show. That one's going to be fun. This one is from Trevor. I think I'm hearing wrong every time he comes up. J.K. Dobbins. CBS has the earliest ADP on Dobbins, and your guys love him there. The other experts have him as an avoid at their later ADPs. On top of the injury history, he's never had more than 17 touches in a game. The offense is moving to more passing, and he's not really a pass catcher. They added Melvin Gordon to the already crowded running back room. Oh, Jamie's going to crush you for that, Melvin Gordon. He's not going to be impressed with that one. So what's the thought process here? What are you guys seeing that everyone else is missing on J.K. Dobbins? And real quick, before you answer, Jamie, I cannot speak to the accuracy that every other fantasy analyst doesn't like J.K. Dobbins. That doesn't really sound right to me, but maybe the person that Trevor, the people that Trevor listened to don't like Dobbins as much as, as you do. So go ahead. You can defend it. I, I Listen, the, everything that he said aside from the Melvin Gordon is not – inaccurate you know he hasn't had that type of season or that type of performance yet but the hope is that with the offense trending in a more pass happy direction that he will be involved and i think it's unfair to say that he can't do it because he did it at ohio state and so we just haven't seen it in the nfl yet there's a reason why his touches have been capped his rookie season he was being sort of handled a little bit with kid gloves and we started to see him get unleashed toward the end of that his second season he missed and his third season he was coming back from the acl tear and they were trying to you know, I think manages touches there until he got fully healthy. Melvin Gordon is not on the active roster, so you don't have to worry about him. So it's really just Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, the same guys that have been there. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is going to you know take a share of, of carries as well. But this is why we do what we do. You know, we project guys to have breakout seasons and breakout campaigns, and I think that's going to happen for him this year. So do I target him a little bit aggressively? Yes, because I'm I'm excited about the season I'm expecting him to have. Did I take him in another draft again today? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you, did. <laughs> you know, it just gets to a point where it, it falls to um to a point where um okay, he's he's my best player on the board. I'm not going to pass him up because I am expecting him to have that year. Am I going to look silly when it doesn't? Sure. I'm going to lose a lot of fantasy games, a lot of fantasy leagues potentially because in a few cases when I go heavy on receiver, that's my number one running back. But 
I'm confident that if he stays healthy year two after an ACL in this offense that I think is going to be very productive, I think he's going to have his best season and not by a, a small margin, by a significant margin. Heath, what, I don't know where you actually are on Dobbins. I agnostic. Um, I don't know that I have a strong take. I, I've got him at pick 50 around RB 20 in full PPR. So I, that might be slightly ahead of where the average is. And I, and I wonder if like, cause it was just like a week or two ago that you looked at C- CBS ADP and it was all mixed in the standard CBS ADP is non PPR. Well, he's a top 12 running back in non PPR. The only real question for me, it doesn't have anything to do with Dobbins talent. I think he's an, an extreme or, at least was before the injury, an extremely talented rusher. I don't think he has problems catching the ball. I don't know if Lamar will check down enough. And that's going to be a really interesting thing is like how many times when Lamar's in trouble, does he just take off? Or have they kind of worked the the check down into the game a little bit and it goes to Dobbins? If that happens, then I think Dobbins could have a top 12 PPR season too. And and I'm not I'm not expecting 50 catches. You know, right. he doesn't have to do that to be in the range where you're drafting him or even where the range I'm expecting him to go. I, I think you're looking at, you know, what we've been hoping for Derrick Henry the last couple of seasons, you know, 35 to 40 catches. If he does that and then runs the way he's capable of running, I mean, this is a guy that can average six yards per carry. You know, it's, yeah. he's, he's done that. You know, his, his stretch at the end of the season, I forget the amount of games, but, you know, he was 6.7 yards per carry. You know, so he's explosive. The offense will be better. They should score more. If everybody stays healthy there, which is a big ask. I mean, Lamar Jackson's missed a lot of time in the last two years. But I think this is going to be the year where he just sort of takes that step forward. So it's up to you if you want to buy it or not. I get it. And I think where Heath hasn't ranked is is we're probably more appropriate to the the risk that you have to bake into what has happened to him. So I, I get that. Again, I'm just being aggressive with the player that I like. Yeah, not that aggressive, though. I mean, 48. You, uh, the last time I, we did a draft together other than Superflex, you took him 48th. And or maybe I think you took him 49th, maybe for Jonte Johnson, J.K. Dobbins, I believe, at the turn. Um, You're talking about the pick by pick. I yeah, think. right. Yeah. So and then his ADP on CBS is something like 55. His ADP on on fantasy pros for J.K. Dobbins is like 63. So it's about a round. It's nothing crazy. And also the good thing about having a player that you love and you take all the time, if he if you take him after the or, you know, in round five, you're not going to lose a lot of leagues if he doesn't hit. I mean, right, like for me last year, it was probably Cortland Sutton, and that crushed Listen, me. We all know what a big disaster DJ Moore was for me last year. I won two or three leagues where I took DJ Moore in round three. Okay. So you don't lose your league because of a bad round three pick. Right. But you certainly don't do it because of a bad round five pick. So, so keep I'll, I'll say this. I have, I have one league. There's only one league where I've drafted where I have real concerns, and it's because I went Jefferson, Mahomes, Olave. Dobbins and Christian Watson. And then my second running back is Kamara. Yeah. So like th- those, those are eventually my starting running backs. And so if Dobbins goes down there, like I could be in trouble. And that, that's the one league that stands out to me. I'm like, Oh, I probably should have had a little bit more, a little, little better drafting of running backs. there. All right. Time for something called the offense. O meter. If Kansas city is a 10, I did get Jalen Warren. <laughs> hey, nice. If Kansas city is a 10, where are these offenses on the offense meter from zero to 10? Jacksonville. Oh, uh, Heath would have loved Pete's take last night. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I, I, I'm just really enjoying, like, I like it when everybody else gets to be a little bit of a homer, too. And Pete is <laughs> all the way in on, 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 on Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, he said their offense will be up there at a close to the Chiefs. So he'd probably give them a nine on this. Well, you, 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 you sort of steered him into that, though. 
Why? I asked him. He said, he said they're going to be one of the better offenses. You said the Chiefs, and he just said up there. I had you know, to. But he, he picked them to win the one seed, right? He picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. His Super Bowl so, matchup is, <laughs> is San Fran, Jacksonville. But you know what, though? The, they, they're now the – I don't say they are, but you know the, the driver's seat to get the one seed, it's hard to say it's the AFC West and the AFC East. If and and even the AFC North, they're oh, they're please. so. Let's not do this to the Chiefs again. Let's huh? not do this to the Chiefs again. That was no, no, no. Were, I'm yeah. just saying, like, if if the Chargers stay healthy, they're, they're going to be a, a threat, and the Chiefs have a tougher schedule than Jack, Jacksonville does. Uh-huh. You know, if Jacksonville takes that step, like they're capable of, yeah, they should obliterate the division, and they're playing the NFC South. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> uh, where are they on the offense, meter? Uh, what's the rating? Zero to ten. Ten is the Chiefs. Zero is the, I don't know, Bucks. I would say now. seven and a half, eight. Okay. Yeah, I I think, and this is the part that I haven't heard Pete talk about, and maybe he just has a different opinion than all the rating services and PFF and everybody. I think if you're talking fantasy players or skill position players, they might be an eight or a nine. But everything that I see has Jacksonville in the bottom five in terms of offensive line. And most places have them just barely ahead of Tennessee as the next, the second worst offensive line, and that counts for real football, as Pete would say, not not the fantasy game. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'll say a seven. Okay. You you would have absolutely enjoyed Pete and Adam talking Anthony Richardson last night. Oh, I no, I I, I didn't miss a lot of that. Like I I probably watched thirty minutes of the Pete portion of the draftathon and it was it was fantastic i really loved that nando was just relentless on the absolute stone cold fact that adam had never played that game before in his immaculate grid no idea no i had never been i swear i love the way that adam like acted like he definitely did and by the time we got (laughs) 10 minutes in i played once (laughs) i played played football (laughs) once but i played the baseball version of it before too (laughs) but they told me they gave me kind of confusing directions unfortunately because i forget it anyway um let's go through this here because i basically what i want to know is how much faith you sometimes you know, you you stumble into great fantasy production because an offense is a lot better than you thought. I think about the Seahawks last year as, you know, that team. So I want to know what, the faith you have in these offenses. Jacksonville, let's say they're a 7 or an 8. Seattle, again, let's do Seattle. 8.5? Uh, if I'm giving Jacksonville, I'll give Jacksonville an 8. I'll give Seattle a 7. Jets? 6.5. Uh, 5. Lions. Seven. Seven. Ravens. Eight. Eight. Giants are a ten. Okay, Steelers. Now Giants. Giants. Uh, three. Oh, three. Come on. They're terrible. What are you talking about? <laughs> let's Six go. Let's half. make a bet. Let's do something. Let's make a bet. All right. Let's where do you think they're gonna finish in total points? Points per game. Somewhere below sixteen. And that's a three? No, you got to be a little more specific if you're giving well, them a three. 16 would be a five, so it's a four or a three. All right, so are you saying they're a bottom bottom 10 team? That's kind of what you're saying. I'll take top 16 for the Giants. I'll take, I'll take, top, I'll take bottom 12, and anything in the middle is a, a, a tie. I'll take top 12, and you take bottom 12? Is that what you're saying? Or I, yeah. Okay, fine. I don't think they're necessarily going to be top 12, but okay. Uh, what metric? 
what it was your or yards points per or game. Offensive points yeah, per game. Offensive points yeah. per game. And I'm not counting. I'm not winks. Winks points don't count. Fair. Jamie, what was your number for the Giants? <laughs> Six and a half. Why are the Giants even on this list? Like we talked about all these exciting Can I tell you who the next head coach is going to be? The next head coach is going to be Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator. He is fantastic. Who's the Giants next head coach going to be? It's going to be Brian Dable. And you watch, they're going to run things. Uh, Steelers. Steelers. Uh, five with a chance to be a seven. Um, Yeah, five. Falcons. Oof. Uh... Four. Five. Packers. Four. Four. Bears. Three. Six. Uh, Browns. Five. Four. All right. Players we don't talk about enough. Dallas Goddard. We don't talk enough about Dallas Goddard. Last year, he was the number five tight end per game in PPR, number six per game in non-PPR. That was with only three touchdowns in 12 games. He was on pace for just under 1,000 yards and 78 catches on 98 targets, and he has basically been the most efficient tight end in the NFL. It's either him or Kittle, basically. Over the last three seasons, Goddard has ranked eighth, first, and first in percentage of catches that gained 16 or more yards among tight ends with 50 or more targets, and he's been number one in yards per target among tight ends two straight seasons. Um, Heath, we don't talk enough about Dallas Goddard. Uh, where is he in your tight end rankings? Give me upside and downside. Yeah, I'm more of the upside guy, so somebody else might give the downside. This is somebody, and I think we all have these guys. Adam, for you, it seems to be Jalen Warren, that we get to the last week of draft season and it's like, I don't have enough of that guy, and so you just start drafting him. Whether, whether it's time to draft him in the rankings or not, you just start drafting him. And that's that's where I've been with Dallas Goddard because of what you said. Like he was the top five, top six tight end with pretty rotten touchdown luck. And I know he hasn't had a big touchdown season for counting stats, but on a per target basis, he's been much better than he was last year. And that all happened without any injuries to AJ Brown or Devontae Smith. So I think Hawk or I think Hawkinson, I think Goddard is a very solid top six or seven tight end for the year. And if A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith suffer an injury, he's got tied in two upside. Do you guys like him significantly better than Kittle? I feel like in my mind I do, but I don't have it ranked that way. You know, it's because I agree with everything he said. You know, it, it feels as if, like, to me, there, there's, there's four guys. To whatever degree you want to draft them, look at them, it's Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, and Hawkinson for me. And then there's the guy in the middle, which is Pitts, which can go either way. He could be top three or he could be bottom 15. You know I mean? It's like one of those – he's got so many variances of, of, of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, then right after Pitts, it's like, okay, Goddard to me always – every time I think of him, I just think safe. And it's probably not fair to think about him in terms of the same upside because, like he said, one injury away, he could be great. We saw last season in the Super Bowl – Chiefs, uh, Eagles and Chiefs in a back-and-forth game, Goddard was a superstar. you know. And so when you think about the run game for, for Philly, if it's stagnant and they're in a little bit more third and, and long, third and you know, not necessarily manageable, then maybe we're seeing Goddard as just that, that the, the targets ramp up a little bit, the production ramps up a little bit, and then if he gets some, some more touchdown love, then he really can be a superstar. So I always love when I draft Dallas Goddard. Like I was looking at our magazine league. Um, which we drafted in July, I think it was. 
Um, and might have been June. Was uh, it, it might have been June. And so at that point, uh, there was no DeAndre Hopkins. So I was like, oh wow, let me see what my team looked like. And I was like, oh, I drafted Traylon Brooks like round six. You know, at that at that point. So my three receivers in that league are Calvin Ridley, Drake London, and and Traylon Brooks. I'm like, man, I, I just you know, I wish I had a better third third receiver. Nico Collins is my fourth, you know, so I'll be okay. But I was like, oh, you know, I, I got Dallas Goddard. I'm pretty okay. You know, like it's just, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. just okay. He, he's easy, easy going. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Uh, that, that covers Dallas Goddard. Let's go to Mike Williams. Don't feel like we talk about him enough. And I want to say last year, he was wide receiver 22 per game, but he played two partial games. Those games were 9% and 37% of the snaps. Remove those, and he would have been more like wide receiver 15 per game, certainly in the top 20. Um, and then the year before that, he was, I think he was right around that, actually. It was I think it might have been like closer to 12 per game. Uh, so I, I don't know about you. I got a little more optimistic about Williams with the recent re- revelation, the recent report that Quentin Johnston is their fourth wide receiver. I just don't think Quentin Johnston is really doing that much, and it's going to take much away from Mike Williams. So I'm starting to think we might be, I don't know, that maybe the fantasy community is a little too low on him, almost in a Tyler Lockety way. Uh, your thoughts? I, I, I feel the same about both those guys, to be honest with you. I, I think Lockett gets overvalued, undervalued a little bit, and, and Williams the same thing. You know, it's, it's hard to rank them significantly higher. Like, to me, they're top 30 receivers. So you've heard me say this a lot. You know, once you get to, like, wide receiver 18 through, like, almost wide receiver 35, 36, like, there feels like there could just be a big swing of, of outcomes for all those guys. But you should feel comfortable. Uh, for the most part, you're hoping to get those as your number three receivers. Um, but it, there is the fear of last year he was banged up, had a back injury, had an ankle injury. Um, that Quentin Johnston, if he gets on, on a little bit of a roll, could be a problem. Keenan Allen's still there, going to dominate targets. Austin Eckler's still there. You know, there's still a lot of – you know, I should say a lot. There's there's still some buzz for Gerald Everett. You know, so there's a lot of mouths to feed. And as good as Justin Herbert is and Kellen Moore's offense, and if they're still going to throw the ball top three, he should be successful. But how much of it is going to get chopped up? And you're just going to have those those big swings from Mike Williams. So I think he's just a high end number three receiver that you'd love to have starting for you in a three receiver league and a potential flex in a in a two receiver in a flex league. So it's not bad to have him on your roster. Um, and and I don't think you know round five is even too soon to draft him. I, I think he I think Lockett's a good name to associate him with and, and also Mike Evans. Like some guys in that wide receiver three range that are going to win you some weeks. The types of guys I generally like to roster. And I may have I may have downgraded him a little bit too much because of the Quentin Johnston. I, I don't like the fact though that because I think like I even heard some talk last night on the draft a thon about how it's gonna be Quentin Johnston or it's going to be Mike Williams. And everybody acts like because they're gonna throw the ball downfield more, it's not going to be Keenan Allen. And most of the reports that I've heard out of training camp is that Keenan Allen is just doing all kinds of new things and Justin Herbert can't stop throwing him the ball. Right. So I, I'm a little concerned that people are favoring the downfield receivers a little bit and it's actually gonna be Keenan Allen just playing more downfield because he's a superstar and he can play wherever. Um, and then also Williams isn't technically old yet. But he's kind of old. Do you guys like Williams or Lockett better? Lockett slightly. Yeah, I've got I've got Lockett. Like Lockett, Godwin, Evans, Williams are all right in the same range. You think JSN at this point, even though he's hurt, is a bigger threat for the season than Johnston for is? For sure. Right. Yes, for sure. Yes. Way so, more. So you know what? Like This is the philosophical thing here, but I, I'm assuming you guys like Chris Godwin better than Mike Williams? Barely. 
Yes. Philosophically, you know, my research and my wide receiver theory is wide receivers on good offenses are the ones that you should target um, when it's close. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying you target Jalen Waddell over Cooper Cup if Cup weren't, weren't injured, were not injured or something. I'm just saying if it's close, it's a tiebreaker. Um, my, you know, based on that, Mike Williams is, is someone you should take over Chris Goblin if you think it's close. Uh, you know, I, so I don't know if I have the stones to do that in PPR because they're such different players in terms of a profile. Like you figure a lot more catches for Godwin. But if you just think about the season that Justin Herbert could have. He could throw for 5,000 yards. You know, that could be a lot of, that could be great for both Williams. You don't, and you don't think Baker Mayfield could throw the five? <laughs> Why didn't we put Tampa Bay on the offense meter? Because that would be offensive. Would not do that. Um, Aaron Jones. Did we talk enough about Aaron Jones? I was on the fence on that one. I don't think we I do. Think so. No. All the he time. He kind of gets overlooked in the yeah. Damian Pierce, J.K. Dobbins, Alexander Madison range. For <laughs> exactly. Sure. Is he ahead of that group? Uh, not for me. He's in the middle. So I would take the potential of Pierce and Dobbins over Jones, but that's probably me just being more fascinated with those two guys than, than I am with Aaron Jones. I, I have Jones ahead of that group, and I've even downgraded him a little bit because of age, but it, it's tough. It, and I mean, I'm a guy who kind of leans on what teams and coordinators have done, especially when the situations remain a little bit similar. It's a quarterback change, so that's different. But it's just so hard to get away from the way they've used Aaron Jones in the passing game. We don't talk a lot about Jordan Addison. Certainly, I would say not since his injury. That's probably my fault. Where do you guys see yourself on Jordan Addison, who should be ready for week one, right? He's, I believe so. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Am I, he had what? Did he just have a concussion? Concussion. Okay. All right. So I'm sorry. So nothing serious there. Well, I don't mean it in that sense. Nothing long-term there. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Jordan Addison. Is he behind Lockett, Mike Williams? And, you know, your thoughts, guys. He is for me, but not far. I've got him right in the middle of that group. Like those four wide receivers I said, the one I didn't say who's in that group is Jordan Addison, and he's right in the middle of it. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. Like obviously they value TJ Hawkinson a lot more than I do. And they <laughs> they, they got Justin Jefferson. So if they throw it 700 times, then that's probably okay to just have a three-headed monster of, of really concentrated target share. But KJ Osborne at the beginning of the year, at least, is going to be involved as well. I just think Addison's so good at running routes. If he gets in single coverage with everything they're putting towards Jefferson, he could catch a lot of passes this year. I th- didn't think that I I put Dato Jones on the players we don't talk about enough. <laughs> I, I honestly feel I don't know how you guys like we have a tweet that I was gonna read a little bit later that said something. Can we get some Daniel Jones and or Giants chatter? Never hear about those guys. And I wasn't sure if that was sarcastic because I feel like oh, you weren't sure if that I feel was sarcastic. Like I have intentionally not spoken about them so as not to be labeled a homer on this show. There is oh, one giant, and Jamie, I think you you've probably heard this too. I think we both heard it. There is one giant we've not talked enough about. It's Saquon Barkley. That is true. <laughs> Maybe it's not Daniel Jones though. Like just like the Giants brass, Adam thinks Daniel Jones is more important than Saquon Barkley, but he's not. You want to talk about Saquon Barkley? We can talk about Saquon Barkley. I think everybody knows enough about Saquon Barkley. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. I don't think we talk enough about Kirk Cousins. Does Kirk Cousins have more upside, or is he just going to be kind of a low-end QB1? The thing that was so frustrating about him last year was that they threw the ball so much, and he did not have the type of season that you hoped for. You know, touchdowns were certainly a problem for him. 
but he has been two of the previous three years at 22 points or more, uh, never above 25 though. So I think you just kind of know what you're getting, you know? So for me, uh, and obviously ADP does not reflect this because Kirk Cousins still being drafted as a top 12 guy, but for me, um, I put him in the, the Dak, Geno, Daniel Jones category. And, and really Daniel Jones doesn't belong there because he doesn't do what those other guys do, or at least projects to do what those other guys do, which is going to be throw the ball a little bit more on some more prolific passing attacks. Um, but look, Cousins is the ultimate fallback guy for me. You know, so draft Richardson, look for Cousins. Draft Tua, look for Cousins. I did that in our salary cap league. You know, those are my two quarterbacks, Tua and, and Cousins. And I'm, I'm thrilled about that. You know, so um, if you don't, you know, love your starter and Cousins is still on the board, pair them up and, and you should be in good spot. I think like when you're talking about their upside as far as how high they could finish in fantasy, it's the same thing for both Cousins and Geno Smith. Is this going to be like last year or the two years before? Um, Because if there's not that many quarterbacks scoring more than 22 fantasy points per game, Mm. then I think Cousins or Geno could approach a top five season. But I don't think they could actually get into the 25 range. So... Like I, I could see Cousins having a, a 700 attempt, 4,800-yard, 35-pass touchdown season. Um, but it's it's probably – it's just going to depend on does Herbert bounce back, does Lamar bounce back, how many of these guys get hurt, does Lawrence – I think it's interesting the huge gap between Lawrence and Cousins and Geno because there's an argument to be made that those guys could put up pretty similar stats. It's just that Lawrence is younger, and so you hope he makes that monster leap. All right, let's see if we can get a does Adam talk too much about Daniel Jones poll going here and see uh, what the results are. <laughs> well, should be we, not Adam, we. All right, fine. Do we talk too much about Daniel Jones? I appreciate it because it's probably more Heath. Heath talks more about Daniel Jones than I do. Uh, let's take a break here. We got your exes when we come back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anybody call it X or are we still on still saying Twitter? I still say Twitter. Yeah, every time you say X, I just kind of think you're you're a little bit more of a boomer. I I hate it. <laughs> I say it sarcastically. It's ridiculous. All right. Here are your tweets from Henry. Common phrase is you can't win your league in the first round, but you can lose your league in the first round. Who are the first round picks based on ADP that you think have the highest probability of losing people their leagues based on underperformance? Based on underperformance? Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to say because I don't expect them to underperform, but, I mean, without an injury. Yeah. So, you know, 
underperform. Like you, you can, we can nitpick a lot of these situations. You know, you, you brought up one already. You know, does McCaffrey lose enough work that, oh my God, he's the eighth running back as opposed to the first, and he's not a top twelve player. Um, Eckler's touchdowns and receptions come down because of just the more explosive offense. You it's know, a hard I'm, question. I'm try- I mean. Looks I'm trying like, to think of non-injury related situations. Well, there's it, Chubb and Brown. And- it's not a it's not a player perform. Like I think the only way without an injury is because we were wrong about their projected usage. Yeah, it, I I don't think none of these guys that we're taking in round one we think could just be bad. But right, is like, it, is it possible Pollard doesn't get the volume okay. boost we expect? Right, I was going to say Pollard is the one you could see from uh, hasn't done it before. CD Lamb more crowded. Receiving right. core, you know, his numbers dip a little bit. Bijan, um, you know, now now yeah. there's also the the receivers that have quarterback injuries potential, you know, so they're not hurt. But God forbid one of the star quarterbacks go down, and you know, what happens to Kelsey? What happens to um, Tyree Kill? What happens to you know Stephon Diggs? All those guys that are going in round one. Adam, we had our Giants talk. Can we have our Chiefs talk for just a second? Because I've <laughs> seen this comment or tweet. Multiple times. And as people say, the problem with Sky Moore is that the highest a Chiefs receiver has finished other than Tyreek was wide receiver 33. That's in this Patrick Mahomes era. Well, every year but one, Tyreek and Travis Kelsey were both there. And and you've pointed this out. Juju was a must-start receiver. He had emerged into that before his concussion. Um, By the way, I think the answer to this question is Nick Chubb. Because in full PPR... Nick Chubb is a first-round pick in CBS ADP. He's at 12-13. In Fantasy Pros ADP, in full PPR, he's 13th. And he's at the 11th highest ADP. So it's just possible that he's he's just never been that. He's never been worth that. Now, he could be better than ever before. But it's a good call. I don't think Chubb has ever finished higher than RB8 per game in full PPR. Evan Hicks, a league member hasn't paid and won't be able to before the draft, but they gave a specific date that they can pay you. Do you let them still draft? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a friendship discussion, right? Like you're not probably doing that for strangers. When you say hasn't paid, you don't mean for last year. Ooh. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> might be. That's a problem. Because that in our leagues, like hasn't paid yet is kind of the default. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna be more strict this year. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm t- you guys, but big burger, you're not draft, you're not setting your lineup week one if you haven't paid, and already oh more than half the league has paid. And I said you owe me a lot of money. I owe you nothing. This is from Vince. <laughs> Love I the guess show. All, your, all, all the leagues I run are free for you. Love the charity work. <laughs> uh, speaking of charity work, Vince, Jamie, let's see, uh, let's see the side of your head. Oh yeah, Jamie um, got the three lines shaved to the side. Yeah, both head. sides. That actually, is fantastic. They actually look pretty good. Uh, it looks really good. All right, anyway, Vince says, um, can you dig into the rookie tight ends and why people seem to love them more than usual this year? Well, I, I think, for first off, their, their profiles coming into the league, you know, we, we're getting to a point where colleges are using these guys not just as combo tight ends. So they're being used more as, as pass catchers and, you know, big slot receivers. And so Kincaid and, and Laporta – for example, and even Musgrave, they landed in such great spots, you know, where there's target opportunities and, and immediate playing time. They don't have to worry about necessarily being blockers, which is why these guys don't typically get on the field. So I, I think for, for those three in particular, and we'll see if Mayer falls in line too. Um, but, you know, Kincaid, 
whenever you see a team be aggressive in the draft and the Bills traded up two spots to go get him, you know, that, that speaks to, okay, we're going to use him right away. And, and by all accounts, he's handled everything that they've thrown at him. Um, I, I think he's worth the risk because he's attached to Josh Allen and they didn't really make any significant moves this offseason in the receiving core. And then for Laporta, I mean, look at that receiving core behind Amara St. Brown. You know, so both those guys to me have have significant upside and they're worth taking a chance on as your number one tenant. It, I mean, honestly, it's desperation. Like, have you seen the tight end position? Mm-hmm. We had like eight guys who scored more than nine fantasy points per game last year. We're just dying for someone to matter. And it's more fun to take a shot on those guys who haven't failed us over and over than it is on Tyler Higby and Dalton Schultz and others. Okay, uh, here's a good question. Heath, I don't know if you're going to write this story this year, but from Reed, how to take advantage of different platforms' draft rankings? Who does Yahoo, ESPN, Sleeper have listed too high or too low? I believe that Chris Towers is writing that story. He wrote it. He wrote it. It's already out there. And so go search Chris Towers, CBS. That's the great thing is if we ever say that we wrote something and you can't find it, just search our name and CBS and you'll find our writer page, and you'll see everything we've written. So go search that. Chris has it. I'm looking and, at And ESPN. I think, you know, to this this point, um, the people who listen to our show are, you know, being brainwashed about the players that we like, and then they go play on other sites, and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I found this guy. Like, I, I did a Yahoo draft, and, and Roshan Johnson was, like, buried. And, you know, he's one of my favorite draft targets. And so I was like, I got to keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Okay, there he is. Um you're going to find that on our side too. You know, there are going to be people that you listen to and you play on CBS and, you know, you're listening to, you know, a Yahoo show or an ESPN show or, you know, NFL NFL network show. And they pipe up the guys that they like and, you know, they're buried on our site. You know, we were getting crushed a little bit initially for the way our average draft position looked by a couple of other sites and understandably so, you know, it just hadn't registered enough drafts yet. And, you know, we had put it out there, I think a little too soon for my, my liking, uh, published it a little too soon. So um, any, anytime you, have players that you like and you play on other platforms, then, you know, take advantage of it. That's the, that's the beauty of, of this industry is that there are a lot of different opinions. I'm going to be, I hope not, but wrong on, on players. Heath, same thing, you know, but we're going to be right on a lot of guys as well. And, you know, if you get that type of, of advantage, you know, the, the thing about the Dobbins email we got, you know, if, if, if you're playing on a, on a platform, that everybody is railing against them while their projections and their rankings are probably going to push them down. Well, yeah. if you feel like I feel, you get them an even a better discount. Yes. if you and He was one of the guys I was going to highlight. I'm looking at just two players on ESPN that are much lower than where in their ADP than where they are in CBS ADP. Drake London is 84th. J.K. Dobbins is 87th in ADP. Um, all right, guys. Let's go rapid fire here. Rapid fire because I do want to give a few super flex tips. We did a super flex draft today. This one is from Jeff. Does Joe Mixon have a path to being a top five running back this season? Yes. Yes. From one fishy scientist, which Chiefs wide receiver will have the most fantasy value? Skymore. Skymore. From Jeremy, best ball strategies. Reach for quarterbacks to make a stack, avoid certain players. Best ball strategies. Make a stack if it comes naturally. Yeah, I wonder if this is the year that stacking's gone so mainstream that the team that wins, it's going to be a team that didn't build the stack. From William, any worry on guys like Olave and Devontae Smith? Olave's giving me some Cortland Sutton vibes. Um, well, Cortland Sutton's second year was his best ever, so hopefully that's the case. 
Um, look. Concerns about those two guys? You've- slight. No. Slight yeah. just because it's it's their car and Michael Thomas may stay healthy all season and Jawan Johnson may do some things and Alvin Kamara may do some things, you know. So there's a lot of mouths to feed there. You know, when we thought initially it was just going to be him and, and maybe some some parts with Kamara suspended for a big season. But he looked awesome last year, and, and hopefully that's the type of player that he's going to be. I have more concerns about Olave than I do Devontae Smith. I love Devontae at the 2-3 turn. I don't have a lot of concerns about Olave, but more than I do about Devontae. From Bonehead, let's try to do this as rapid fire as possible. He wants a deep dive on Traylon Burks now that he's healthy. So where would you guys take Traylon Burks? Um, Round 10-ish, but still with a lot of optimism. Yeah, I, I think I might have him at round 8. Um, there's a lot of outs to be right on Traylon Burks. Like DeAndre Hopkins could not quite still be his self. Tennessee could throw more and it could be like an AJ Brown, Corey Davis season or DeAndre Hopkins at 31 years old could get hurt. So um, round eight, eight, nine. Okay. And David wants to know what our in-season coverage on this podcast is like. Good question. Uh, Tuesday is waiver wire. Wednesday is trade talk and other other buy or sell, all that kind of stuff. Thursday, starter sit for the AFC home games. Friday, starter sit for the NFC home games. Saturday, mailbag. Sunday morning, we have a five-minute show where we give you injury updates. Sunday night, we recap the action. Monday, we recap it again, but with advanced stats called Beyond the Box Score. We have a little bit of a, a longer view, a longer look at, at some of the games and what went down. So we have eight episodes per week, actually, and uh, you're going to really enjoy it. It's really and seven. FFT Dynasty. Right, and FFT Dynasty. So is that going to be a Tuesday thing every every Tuesday week? thing, yep. Okay, great. Um, all right, and then finally, Ultimate Warriors one wants uh, some some IDP talk, some linebackers. I, I said uh, when we did our IDP draft, two sleepers for me are David Long for the Dolphins and Nicobe Dean for the Eagles. I've seen them pretty low on uh, some linebacker rankings lists, but Dean steps in uh, for uh, for Edwards, who was one of the best linebackers in IDP last year, and David Long is a guy that uh, the Dolphins got him pretty cheap because he's always hurt. But a lot of analysts absolutely love that acquisition for the Dolphins. He come, came over from Tennessee, I believe. Anything else? Any IDPs that you guys like? I know Jack Campbell went relatively late in our draft, and he's obviously going to play a big role for the Lions. Oh, right. Aziz oh. Alshire. I'm sorry. Aziz Alshire. Uh, absolute freaking stud with the 49ers. I think he's with Tennessee now. Um, so I just want to see him get on the field. Heath? I'll just give the same the same piece of advice I always do. Like, go look for those edge rushers who play end slash linebacker who get the defensive line. And it's different on every side, but the guys who get the defensive line tag but are kind of edge linebackers, those are the guys you want to target. We talked super flex last week. Um, we'll give you a little bit of an update here. What were your, uh, some of your major takeaways from the super flex 12-team super flex? So not everybody's guaranteed to get three quarterbacks. 12-team super flex, other than me taking Bijan Robinson 24th overall, which was ridiculous. Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott should not go ahead of Bijan Robinson in Superflex, even at six point. Uh, what were some of the things that really stood out to you in today's draft? I I was I had the 12th pick. I was so intent on not taking quarterback in the first round, and then you guys let Trevor Lawrence fall to me at 12. <laughs> so that was like, okay. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to lean into it, and I took two at 13. And so I was thrilled to get three quarterbacks in this league. Time out. Uh, time out. You did, took Tua over Richardson, right? And I made that switch in my rankings as well, yes. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, uh, I think on. that one though is like I think that one's understandable if you like Richardson better in a one quarterback league uh-huh. and two a better in Superflex. There might be a little more risk for Richardson. Right. Yes. Um, but I was I was thrilled to get three quarterbacks. Jordan loves my third. And um the way that this draft, Heath, I think said it in the in the chat that this is the the most we've seen these quarterbacks get pushed up. Um and so I, I felt pretty comfortable taking three early. You know, I sacrificed a little bit at, at, at third receiver and, and maybe tight end, but I feel like I could cobble that together. Finding quarterbacks is going to be tough. Yeah, it was. Um, and there are still maybe a couple of potential starting quarterbacks this year who I'm not sure got drafted, but um, we drafted a lot. <laughs> we we a did lot. draft a lot. It In past years, we've had a couple of those Desmond Ritter, Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo types that fall to the double digit rounds. And those guys were mostly gone by like round seven this year. I think, and I, that kind of goes against the advice I've given. I think I gave a week ago is that eventually after the top 13, 14, 15, however many quarterbacks the league actually likes, there will be a gap and people will stop taking quarterbacks. That gap didn't happen. Like three picks after I took Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett was gone. Um, that people just kept hammering quarterbacks. And so I kind of had to adjust on the fly because I had started off with Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs, um, thinking I, and I took Gino in round three. I thought everything was great. And then people just kept hammering quarterbacks. Um, and so I had to, had to kind of adjust on the fly there. But, but if that happens, it makes it more difficult to wait on quarterback in, regardless. Well, if you think drafting three quarterbacks is good, why don't you do what I do? Draft Four quarterbacks. I drafted four quarterbacks. And I thought you. I got one of the sneakiest potential starters. You were talking trash about Anthony Richardson again and saying that Gardner Minshew would be starting week five or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was so happy to take Sam Darnold because, uh-huh. and this might be wild, but I think it's more likely that Brock Purdy gets benched because of performance than it is Anthony Richardson. I just counted. There was 37 quarterbacks drafted. Um, you mentioned Darnold. Mike White was drafted. Malik Willis was drafted. Um, was Dobbs? Dobbs was drafted. Clayton Toon was drafted. Um, Trying to think, there was another backup. But I, I, this is a strategy that I like because I, I didn't love my team. Like I wasn't getting after my first three picks, which were Mahomes. I had one. I had one point one. Mahomes, Bijan, Lamb. I was thrilled. Oh, after, Kyle Trask. I'm sorry, it was another one. Trask. After that, I didn't really feel like I got great value with a lot of picks, so I took four quarterbacks, and they are uh, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Purdy, and Baker Mayfield, who was the last. So you're starter. part of the problem. No, because I took Mayfield super late. I was the le- he was the 32nd quarterback taken. May- Mayfield and Mac Jones sat on the board for a long. Time. Yeah, they were. And they, <laughs> Mac Jones went one pick before me. They were 31 and 32. I think those were the last starting quarterbacks. But taking four quarterbacks is great because the second there's a quarterback injury, you are going to get so much more value in trade for that quarterback compared to the running back, wide receivers, tight ends that were on the board when you took that quarterback. Um, I mean, you should never cheer for injury, but you it's going to be a horse race to see if that first quarterback injury happens before Baker Mayfield loses his job. Dude, he's he's <laughs> not going to – I don't think he's going to lose his job. Like, their offensive line is so bad, and Kyle Trask is a statue. He will get pummeled. Uh, uh, Mayfield has some mobility, and he's better than – he's probably better than Kyle Trask. But uh, even a quarterback, even a marginal quarterback like Mayfield, or a bad fantasy quarterback like Mayfield, is going to have some value in a super flex league where – you know, somebody's got quarterback injuries or bye weeks even. All right, that's it for tonight's show. And 
Um, did we talk too much? Do we talk too much about Daniel Jones? 162 votes. No, 41%. Yes, 32%. Just the right amount, 27%. I feel vindicated. No C results? No C results. And Schaefer says that Baker Mayfield can't move. Uh, I don't agree with that. I think he can move better than Trask. I think he can move better than he throw. <laughs> Well, I have Purdy and Mayfield, so I don't think you like my team very much. We'll uh, we'll talk to you to, uh, with the mailbag. Mailbag coming up on Friday, uh, airing on Saturday on Fantasy Football. Today.